You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. I had a lot of fun with today's guest, Todd Sanders. Todd is one of our first guests coming from a primarily executive business leadership perspective. He currently serves as a principal at the McChrystal Group. He's a graduate of the Naval Academy, where he commissioned out of into the Marine Corps as an infantry officer and later served as an operational and strategic planner, as well as an international military advisor. After retiring from the military, Todd started a private consulting firm and then served as the senior manager of leadership development at a high growth, nationally recognized media and insurance firm. We talk about a lot of different aspects of leadership during our conversation, ranging from the importance of being true to your values and principles, the applicability of leadership skills across sports, military, and business, some of the most effective ways leadership and organizations have made changes, and how he can quickly determine what kind of culture an organization has. Like I said, we had a lot of fun do- during this conversation, so I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, Todd, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'll tell you, like I said, I'm really excited to talk with you. I think that the stuff that the Captain's Coach do- is doing is phenomenal, uh, and, and what you're offering to organizations is really something that can help push them forward. Yeah, and what you're doing is definitely a unique perspective in terms of guests we've had on before and that you deal primarily with private sector and kind of the corporate level and and business level of leadership and and organizational development. So if you just want to start by kind of giving a brief background of your experience from the Naval Academy through your military career and then I know we had mentioned before we started talking the values and principles that kind of drew you to the McChrystal Group. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, I'm a 1999 graduate from the Naval Academy. Uh, During my time there, I was recruited for and played football in prep school and then played uh, football my freshman year. Uh, towards towards the end of freshman year, kind of had, had fallen out of love with football, had fallen more in love with the diverse things that you could do uh, within the brigade. So, so found myself looking for for something else. Landed in uh, water polo and uh, club water polo and boxing. Uh, club water polo was was an interesting thing for me. At you know six two, two hundred thirty pounds, uh, squeezing into my bikini and, and ear pads was. Uh, <laughs> probably an unpleasant sight for most people, but, but absolutely loved it. Um, when I, after graduating the academy, had services selected to go into the Marine Corps, uh, went, went into the Marine Corps with the full intent of being an infantry officer, um, mm-hmm. graduated basic course, selected for infantry, spent time uh, overseas, started out in Hawaii uh, before the war. And uh, as, as the war started, uh, was in Hawaii, um, quickly, we responded across Pacific to to reinforce and, and really stabilize a lot of um, tense time and unsure time across across the Pacific. 
Um, after that, I uh, had the opportunity to get a graduate degree, so went out and got a master's in operations research. It's a little bit of applied probability, a little bit of applied mathematics. Had the opportunity to then use that um, in support of the Marine Corps, doing a tour uh, as a logistics engineer and, and really doing uh, data analytics and, and uh, modeling of uh, supply chains and distribution repair um, efforts for the Marine Corps. Um, had, uh, after that, knew it was time for me to get back, uh, got back into the infantry, commanded uh, a company task force, went over to Iraq uh, and, and worked out of al-Assad and had a team down in uh, Habania, Iraq. Uh, did, did a long tour there, did, uh, was there for the handover to the Iraqis. Came back from Iraq, did uh, a lot of really cool stuff, focused on training and development. In, in the infantry division, uh, really worked with the innovative tactics that we were looking at. Um, then transferred over into um, the Mediterranean, it was based out of uh, Italy, and spent the last part of my career as an international military advisor and um, planning exercises, which then transitioned into um, really coordinating the, the various conflict efforts that, that were going on. So we were there when Arab Spring happened. We were there uh, when, during the Libya campaign, was, was part of that task force um, to, to plan through the liberation of Libya. Uh, we, were, we were there when, when Benghazi consulate was attacked. Um, and then we were there through all of the, the various experiences after that. Um, so after, after that, uh, my wife said it was probably best for, for the family to, to move on from the Marine Corps, uh, and had the opportunity to retire a couple of years early and moved to the middle of nowhere, Northern Michigan <laughs> and, uh, started working as independent consultant, um, then moved into a high growth firm as, uh, the director of leadership development, uh, worked there for a couple of years. Uh, and and kind of had taken the organization as far as it could go and started to look for new opportunities. Um, had had been a avid reader and digester of the Mercosur Group mm -hmm. methodologies theories. Uh, reached out to a, a close friend that was the head, that is the head of the the Leadership Institute, and, uh, and th that's where I landed. So I've been now with uh, the group for about a year and a half. Wow, awesome! And obviously from that. Uh that explanation of your experience through the military. And, and a lot of times you see a pretty varied experience throughout the military, different mm -hmm. jobs, different areas that, that individuals have been to, but yours uh, for sure, one of the most uh, broad experiences from the beginning to the end inside of the infantry, uh, you had the, the operations research, which is you know about as far as you can get um, <laughs> from the infantry from, yeah. from one end to the other and then to go back into that in so many yeah. different scenarios you really do develop and you kind of see where the leadership aspects kind of transcend the situations and that was something we were talking about yeah. before we started and and it definitely I'm sure you have some and then uh, your first your your first work as the uh, the the leadership consultant um and, and running that for the high growth firm, I'm sure you saw a lot of what worked well, what didn't work well, and only solidified some of the values and principles that you really hold dear and that you, you find to be true, not just for your own experiences, but like I said, kind of transcendent of any kind of situation you're in. So if yeah. you could kind of just expand on that and 
and kind of what you saw in the McChrystal group that kind of reflected those. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it was interesting, and as we just chatted a little before we started, I I, I had realized um, there were there were values that that had been driving me throughout my life, and, and those values were were probably you know grown early on through athletics. And, and, you know, for me specifically, it was, um, you know, the experience I had as a, as a Catholic athlete, um, you know, going to Catholic schools, um, it, it had, a, had a heavy support to that as well. And, and I've seen similar kind of um, concepts and beliefs and, and values that, that come out of all athletics. And, and I took those, you know, to me, I was j- just today, I was talking with a, a mentee of mine and, uh, and we were talking a bit about he's he's thinking about the Marine Corps, so we were talking a bit about how did I end up in the Marine Corps? And to me, um, I looked at that and I said, I, I see the values of the Marine Corps and the, and the principles that they stand for, and and it just fit for me, and and that has followed me um, to the Crystal Group, and you know the things that we do at MG, the the concepts, the behaviors, the the values that that we champion, uh, things like trust and empowerment and clarity and common purpose and individual ownership and initiative, you know, those things um, are are combined. They are what drew me to my crystal group, and and also like what they were about me. So it was it was just a natural fit. And I, I do a lot of of uh, veteran transition mentoring. And one of the biggest things I offer to to transitioning veterans is at times when you're transitioning, you have this feeling where you're just you just like, I just have to get a job. I just have to get a job. And and I wish I wish that um, transitioning people making any change and whether they're veterans or otherwise had more faith in the strong foundations that they gain. So whether you're you're an athlete that is is graduating high school, graduating college, and you're you're looking at the next step, and that may not involve um, heavy formalized athletics. You still have the foundation within you to be so successful, and and you have to have the confidence. And you think back to that, and you say, these values, these principles that I live by, uh, have defined me and have 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 built success for me. Have the confidence that those things will serve you better in the future as well. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, we were talking about before, it's so important to stay true to the values and principles that you've developed and solidified over your your career, either in athletics or in the military or anything. Yeah. From the time you've, you're young and your adolescence all the way until the time you're an adult. And I see it a lot of times with, with guys I know that played, they were college athletes and, and they move on to the business world and they just get so frustrated. Mm-hmm with a lot of the ways their company does things one of the things you said was individual ownership and it's kind of like well why do you put up with that you know uh, you didn't have to take a job like that and and i think like you said all too often people are in such a rush to pick a job they'll take anything instead of kind of trying to find like you said what was a natural fit for you because of those those values that were already so obvious and at the forefront of the mccrystal group yeah and one of those main ones, individual ownership, it's one of the, it's the, the first tenant of leadership that we, that we preach at the captain's coach is that everything rises and falls with leadership and, and that directly uh, as ownership. And so I, 
I think what are the first kind of markers or signs that you look for when you're first assisting one of your clients when it comes yeah. to either their structure or their culture or kind of leadership personalities? Yeah, I, I love this question. So, so I, I, I think that um, I've got a, a, a more serious uh, answer and then, and then probably a less, a less common or a more unique answer to it. So I, I think I, I, the, the aspect of uh, individual ownership and and responsibility and and initiative um, can be seen in every client when we go in there. If if the first question uh, or the first concern out of out of a teammate's uh, mind is, oh, I, I don't know if I have the authority to do this, or I don't know if if I should do this, or I, I don't know if if uh, if this is my job to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a pretty good indicator of, of a lack of empowered execution mm -hmm. for those people. It's a lack of clarity and understanding like what they actually can and can't do. Right. Uh, it, it's a lack of, uh, confidence that that's often built, um, from a, um, a low risk tolerance environment. So typically people are cautious to take action because they fear a, a, a reprisal or repercussion from mm -hmm. it. Um, so w when we look at organizations, when we work with them, we, we start talking through and, and so much of it is really, um, you know, we call it kind of ethnographic survey. As you're talking through, you're talking with people, you're, you're listening to, to the way that they, they characterize the work that they do. And, and if they are characterizing the work that they do, in terms of I have to get approval or I'm not sure what to do or um, I'm, I'm not sure that I have the authority to make that. Um, that Those are typically kind of red flags that we listen to and we say there's some processes that we can offer. There's some 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 behavior work that we can offer to, to help with that. And, and that's not to say that we want people to, to go around like cowboys, right? I mean, the, yeah, the, con yeah. the concept of teamwork is is unbelievably important. So that's, that's my more serious answer. I'll tell you that, that the less serious one that I, I can't wait to study, like someday when I go for my PhD, I'm going to say this. This one is so super, super simple. Do people say hello to each other when they walk by each other? I love that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, um, it, is, it is shocking. And I can, I can pretty darn accurately uh, gauge what a culture is like by how people act. And, and how they, they greet each other. Do they look at each other? Do they say good morning? Even if I don't know you, you know, yeah. do, I mean, and genuinely say good morning. Do I, do I actually crack a joke? Do I have like some lightness to me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, work, work is hard enough. Like you can control the, the, your attitude and mm -hmm. going to it. So if you go into work and with the complexity of what we're doing, we know it's a challenge, but if you go into work and have a lightness about you and a positivity about you and have uh, a confidence that comes from knowing that your team is supporting you and knowing that you, you understand what, you, what success looks like and how to get there, then that is really telling for organizations. Yeah. And that was, uh, I, I forget, I really love that, that, that second answer. And I don't think that's any less serious than the first <laughs> answer. I think it's a hundred percent spot on. I forget where I heard it, but someone had once asked me or had, had taught me something along the lines of similar to the, the, do people say hello, but when people walk past each other in the hallway and they say, you know, the casual, like, Hey, how you doing? Like, Hey, what's up? 
is there a serious question and is there actually a thoughtful response to it more than like, great, how are you? And it's right in line with the kind of, do people say hello to each other? Are people cracking jokes? Is it a happy workplace? And so I think that's spot on. And, and, and the first, your first part of your answer, that individual empowerment and it quickly just connected to athletics and coaches, I think on sports teams, you can see the same kind of thing with captains out there. If they're always going to their coach to kind of get an approval or see if they can make decisions, and then not only the captains looking for that direction, but if guys younger than them, you know, simple things like, hey, you know, what, are we wearing sweats today for practice or not? Hey, you know, who's, who's picking up balls after practice? Like, hey, you know, what's the, what's the rehab schedule? What's, when's the athletic trainer? When is it good for me to go do this? You know, it's simple stuff like that. Or what's the, uni- what's the uniform for the travel to go to get on the bus? Stuff like that, you can see where coaches need to give a little more power and direction to their, to their captains and the leaders on their team. And like you said, you don't want people running, running cowboy out there like it's the Wild yeah. West, doing whatever they want. That's why as a, as a coach and as a manager, you have to give people a left and right limit and kind of tell them, hey, you know, this is, these are the, the values and principles that, that we want to stay in in between and as long as you're staying in this and you understand the kind of the, the overall goals and vision for where we want this organization to go, you should be comfortable enough letting those individuals make those decisions because that's why you put them in leadership positions to begin with. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, you know, it's, uh, I think this, this really, that, that concept really parlays to this idea of coaching and how, how you can bring coaching to organizations. And, and when I say coaching, I, I literally mean like the executive and developmental type coaching mm-hmm. is recognizing that, that you as an individual probably don't have all of the answers, mm-hmm. even if you yeah. are in, in a position of leadership mm-hmm. and recognizing that the strength of the pack is the wolf, right? So, right. so each of our teammates, each of our colleagues, each of our company mates in, in, in an infantry company all have unique abilities and skills and ideas. They are all people. They all can do amazing things get out of their way and let them do it, I think is is something that I, I learned early. Uh, thankfully, I learned early through a couple of painful occasions of me not getting out of their way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I try and help people uh, have that view before they, they stumble like I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's a, a really interesting point about the the leader not being the person that has all the answers. Because in sports, you know, one of the big influences we had for starting the captain's coach, I mentioned it before, is the captain class um, by Sam Walker. And he talks about the, the common theme among these, the greatest dynasties over the past hundred years. It was the captain and it wasn't, and, and the common theme even among the captains was they weren't necessarily the, the best player who had all the skills. That was the, the best scorer, had the most points per game anything like that. It was usually like a water cooler guy or a glue guy. And I, I like to think of leadership in sports and obviously in, in the business world and executive level as well. Not necessarily the person has all the answers, but that can kind of create an environment where the best answers can kind of come up to the top. Yeah. I'll tell you if, it, you know, it's, it, it probably, uh, if I was the star, so if I was the star in athletics, 
uh, or if I was the star in in the infantry or in the service, or if I if I am the star now on my teams, I'm probably doing something that's that's not right. I'm probably I'm probably taking on too much. I'm probably exactly. not not fulfilling my team, giving them clear guidance. I'm not helping them succeed. Um, I, at the end of the day, the the people that are most successful, the organizations that are the most successful, whether that be a, a team, uh, a military unit, or a business organization, they are characterized by people that come together to achieve an objective. And, and in that place, there's often not roles for the 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 one leader to be the number one smartest best mm-hmm. shot whatever it, it is a team effort and you'll never know the the world is complex athletics is complex mm-hmm. combat is complex business is complex you can never hack that to say someone with these exact skills will be the number one. You, the only way you can solve complex solutions like that is through teamwork and yes. sensing the environment and responding and, and moving forward. Exactly. It's funny you said that there, you're probably doing something wrong if you're in that position and you're the, and you are taking on the most responsibilities in one. Yeah. So in that, in that book, the captain's class, the Brazilian soccer team was one of the, one of the, one of the dynasties. And it was Pele's teams, but weirdly enough, Pele was never a captain. And when he was writing the book, the author Sam Walker interviewed one of the one of the captains was that was a captain during Pele's time, and he kind of asked him, he was like, "Hey, you know, Pele was so great. Why was he never voted a captain?" And he was just like, "It's hard enough being the greatest soccer player in the world. We we also don't need him taking on the burden of being the captain of the Brazilian." Sure. So it reminded me of what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it totally plays out. Yeah, and I, I know you just mentioned kind of some characteristics of, of what some successful businesses and companies do mm-hmm. well. What are some other things that you find that those really successful and great companies do consistently well in terms of their leadership or organizational management that kind of sets them apart from either the, the mediocre or just the good? Yeah. So I, I think, um, I, I, I think, but I also know, I mean, it's so, so, so much of the, the, my thought is, is driven by, by research and, mm-hmm. and study in this. So the, like the things that do, um, that make organizations really successful is they, they have a clarity about where they want to go and they understand that, um, what it takes to get to that, to that goal. So they clearly identify what the priorities are. They make fair decisions to to put resources against it or to make plans to go after it. Um, and, and then they really create an environment where people are both challenged and supported to grow. So they're they're stretched and they're pushed and they're they're challenged to do more than what they're doing. And they also have uh, this strong support system that allows them to grow. And, and that is, you know, this combination of kind of like the work and, and the people, this organic and inorganic aspect of it. Um, I, I use a term uh, a lot of times when we talk about this, 
this idea of, of stretching people is uh, supported autonomy. So giving right. people the autonomy to, to move ahead and do challenging things and, and take risks and, and explore and experiment and try new things and try a new move, try a new play or do something like yeah. that and give them the confidence to know they are 100% supported. So whether that support is, is literally I'm, I'm behind you. And if this play falls apart, uh, I will come up, I will step up and make the block for you. Uh, whether that support is, um, I, I am, I am in combat and I'm, I'm going to do something that's really risky, but I know that you are, or have overwatched for me and are protecting me or whether it's in business, we're going to try something that's really different and really new. And I know that you're going to be there as a, kind of this observer to say, yeah, it looks like it's going this way. It looks like it's going that way. Why we tweak this so yeah. you know that concept i think is really important so the best organizations out there have have that that focus uh they have um a, a fairness about them and then they have that that heavy challenge and support aspect i love that term supported autonomy and and that piece about growth and stretching is so important ben actually interviewed uh, coach jack clark from from cal rugby Awesome. And got into a discussion about growth and, and sport as a study and continually, no matter what the outcome of, of the game or the match was, going back and seeing where you can improve. And, and something Ben always likes to say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And without that kind of support and that supported autonomy, people can get kind of complacent and get comfortable and, and not want to take risks because they think they're going to have some sort of reprisal or it's going to make them look good. And a saying our coaches in college always said, he's like, hey, I'm never going to yell at you if you screw up going 100%. You know, it's, yeah. if, you are, if you are taking risks and you're doing them the right way and you're trying to stretch yourself, make yourself uncomfortable, do things that you haven't been able to do, develop a new skill, they have to feel comfortable doing that, knowing that someone, is, like you said, is going to have their back, be there to support them all the way through the process. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think the same thing is true for coaches. If you want your captains to be empowered and you want your leaders on your team to make decisions, you have to let them know, hey, you know, this is what I'm comfortable with you doing. If you want to take it one step further, like I'm okay with that too. I'm going to be right here to kind of reel you back in if I need to. But know that you have, I love that term, supported autonomy throughout this whole process and I'll be here to kind of get you right back on the right path if I see you stray too far to the left or right. Yeah. One of one of the the greatest leaders that I got to work for and work with ever was a guy named Dan Sullivan. And uh, so Dan had had uh, had won the Marine Corps uh, top infantry Marine captain uh, award, the Leftwich Trophy. He he came from this this long line of of amazing Marines, and uh, it was just such an amazing guy. I actually, when I was leaving my my analytics tour, I. I had a choice between three units and I found out that Dan was commanding one of them. So I said, I have to go there and work for him. And, and he had two, two sayings uh, that he would often use. And, and it would, it was really in the, in the context of, of being able and being willing as a, as a senior leader or as a coach to, to the captain uh, to, to really help them succeed. One was uh, he who trusts first wins. 
So it, it, you as a leader have to trust first and then you will win. You will be rewarded with trust from your team and, and, and execution. And the other one was trust until it hurts. So absolutely continuously push trust until you feel on the edge of being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's when you know that you're really empowering people. You're really giving them um, uh, the, the trust that they need to be successful. And that's when, when amazing things happen. And, and, and again, like in none of this, like none of this is cavalier at all. Like it's all, it's not a, a fire and forget thing of trust or fire and forget, oh, yeah. you know? So I, I think that he, he lived that he, he, as he modeled that, he modeled that for me. And then I was confident knowing that I could then model that for my Marines and do the same thing. And, you know, in any way you measured our organization, we were unbelievably successful. So I think it worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. And there's a reason why trust is such an essential piece of, of every organization. And in, in, in the army, we have the principles of mission command and, and building cohesive teams through mutual trust is, is the first principle for that exact reason. Without it, you kind of don't have much, anything you can give people direction all day. And if they don't trust you, you're not going to get anything out of them because they're not going to know if it's the right answer or not. They're not going to trust you to have their back if, if things kind of go south. And the same thing's true in sports. So that that trust aspect and knowing people are are cared for on not just an individual level, but as a team cared for. Yeah. For leaders, I think you have to start with that. He he who trusts first wins is a, is a great way to sum that one up. So those yeah. two those two phrases, I'm definitely uh, definitely clearing out of here and might make it. Might make it play to the captain's playbook. <laughs> awesome. We'll be we'll be sure to give uh, give you and your buddy credit for those though. Oh yeah, you know it's a there hasn't been an original idea since Aristotle. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.